we can say that doing the will of the Lord is hard, but that would not be true. Um, the reason that would not be true is because the Scripture says that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Is that the word? And so if I'm struggling to do the will of God versus my own will, the issue is not how difficult the will of God is. Okay? I think we're going to go into the Word somewhere else here, but I'm sort of... The Spirit of the Lord just sort of keeping us right here for a minute. If I'm struggling to do the will of God, the issue is not that the will of God is hard. The issue is that dying to my will is hard. Does that make sense? Especially in North America. Because in North America, we are very independent there's these attitudes that prevail. Spirits is really what they are in North America. I'll do what I want. Nobody will tell me what to do. Well, that never works in living for God. Because if I'm going to truly live for God and do the will of God, what I'm really saying is I won't do what I want. I'll only do what he tells me to do. That's totally opposite of the spirit of the world. The Apostle Paul said it this way. My life is not my own. I have been bought with a price. I have been purchased as a slave is purchased. Is the word he used. Oftentimes we see it translated in the King James as servant. But Paul called himself many times a servant of the Lord. The true translation of the word he uses, I am a slave of the Lord. He is my master. Now he's a good master. He loads me with benefits. He does that which is good and right and well for my life. So the issue with doing the will of God is not that the will of God is hard. The issue with doing the will of God is I don't want to stop doing what I want to do. What am I doing? I am resisting the cross. I'm resisting the cross. Jesus said, unless a man will take up his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. That the word of the Lord. I mean, that's pretty plain, isn't it? If you don't take up your cross, Jesus' words, if you and I will not take up our cross and follow him, we cannot be his disciple. He didn't say, you just won't be as committed of a disciple. He said you can't. We live in a time of easy believism. We live in a time of, well, you know, I love God and that's all that matters. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Was he preaching a hard gospel? No. He was preaching a gospel of eternal life. And he's saying, hey, if you try to keep and hold on to your life in this life, you're going to lose it. But if in this life you'll lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. 
This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about to the Corinthian church when he spoke of the wisdom of the cross. He said, to the world, it's foolishness. How foolish is it that a man would think that he could save people by dying? Like, I mean, really, how foolish does that sound? That someone dying could save the world. I grew up a military kid. My father that raised me was in the army for 21 years. I sort of had a different view of dying to save because of my father's years of service. If you'll lose your life for his sake, you'll find it. It's hard to do the will of God because I don't want to lose my life. I want to live for God my way. I want to live for God on my terms. I want to live for God as long as it benefits me. I want to live for God as long as it's convenient for me and makes me feel good. And when I live that way, it's very hard to do the will of God. Because if you notice, my whole focus there is not him, it's me. How does living for God benefit me? How does living for God make me feel better? How does living for God bless my life? How does living... Now, will there be blessing? Will God do things? Absolutely. But my focus in living for Him is not me. It's Him. It's His purpose. It's His kingdom. It's His plan. It's His will. I've shared the example before, but I come back to it again. My, my dad that raised me, being in the army, he was committed once he enlisted... As long as he re-enlisted, he did not belong to himself. He belonged to the army. He didn't get to say when he wanted to come to work and when he didn't. Didn't work that way for him. Some of you heard me tell the story. One time they called him and had him come to work. He drove in. They told him, it took you too long to get here. You either, and he said, well, that's how I came. I left my house within 10 minutes of you telling me. They were like, then you live too far away. You need to move. And we did. We picked up and moved. Well, now some of us will be like, I'll just quit my job. Well, he couldn't do that. Why? He was committed. His life did not belong to himself. It belonged to the U.S. Army. Does that make sense? Some of you go, no way. That doesn't you understand what I'm saying? This is what Jesus has asked us for. You're either going to live for yourself or you're going to live unto me. But you don't get to do both. And the reason why the Lord's trying to help us today. The reason why we struggle is because what happens is we get caught trying to do both. I want to live for God today. But man, Monday comes and I get a text from a friend of mine and uh, that sounds like a, what is, how does the Lord, feel? I don't know how the Lord feels about that, but I, I just want to live for me right now. But then what happens? I go back to a place of prayer 
And the Lord deals, oh, I want to live. And so we, and so there's this vacillating in our lives between doing the will of God and doing our own will. Okay, this is what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said, I want to do the will of God, but there's this war in my members. That's what he called it, a war within his members. And he said, the thing I want to do, I don't do. You ever feel that way? And the thing I don't want to do, ah, that's what I end up doing. I want to do the will of God, but then I don't do it. And I don't want to do my own will in my flesh, but I end up giving in and doing it. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. He acknowledged what it was like when he was caught in that place. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? He was acknowledging that being caught in that place of living for myself and living for God and living for myself and living for God is a place that he needed deliverance from. He said, who will deliver me from this wretched way of living? Because it really is a miserable way of living, you know. I mean, there's temporary satisfaction when you're feeding your flesh. And then you come into the presence of God and you feel the presence of God. Okay, Lord, I'm all yours. And then I walk away and it's like, oh, but I want to. And I live for my... And there's never contentment. There's never peace. It's fleeting. There's never... You know what the answer is? Of course you know what the answer is. Just give in to His will. Stop living for myself. And live unto Christ. Totally. Completely. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Come on, talk to the Lord. Would you please talk to the Lord? Lord, I need you. It is our desire to live in and walk in the will of God. To be instruments used of God for your glory and for your purpose. I pray that you would order our steps in your word. I pray by grace, the same way the Apostle Paul said that he would be delivered would be by the grace of God. I pray grace that enables us to do what we cannot do ourselves. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I'd like to shift gears. I I didn't plan on that, but I felt the need to share those things. For I feel like the Lord would like to give some answers to some today. This is something that has stayed in my spirit for several weeks. And um, I've probably even talked about it with some, as I do when things are turning in my spirit. But I feel like the Lord would like to help us. We, I started down this road last week, and we didn't go there. We went a different direction. But the Lord is a healer. You believe that? He is a healer. And people need healing. We know that. Um, 
And in our world today, more than, probably more than physical healing, people need especially spiritual healing, emotional healing, and mental healing, as well as physical healing. But when we say he's a healer, our human nature usually thinks of physical. But he really is a healer of all things. He will make all things new. And I was praying some weeks ago about some situations of which I'm aware, not all here in beyond, I, and had been asked to pray about some things. And I kept coming up against this wall in prayer, and the Lord began dealing with me about these things in a place of healing. Now, I need you to know that because when we read some of these scriptures and we go into this a little bit, you might think, hold on a minute. But I need you to remember why the Lord is dealing with me about healing. Um, I want healing in my life. I want, I want healing always working in my life. Does that make sense? Some of you heard me say it. I very rarely, like extremely rarely get sick. I believe because healing is working in my life. He's my healer. He's not my healer when I'm sick. He's always my healer. And so I have health because he's my healer. I have forgiveness of sins because he's my forgiver. You believe that? Same principle. I have healing because he's my healer. He already took the stripes for my healing. He doesn't have to take them again. He already bled for my sins. He doesn't have to do. So I have healing in my body because he's my healer. I believe that. And so he wants to heal. Healing. Oftentimes, at least in our society, the world today, when people are sick, rarely doctors do not heal. You understand that? Doctors don't heal people. I'm not anti-doctor. Doctors treat people. Yes? They don't call it medical healing. Right? They call it medical what? They call it what? Practice. That's exactly what they're doing on you. They're practicing. I'm not, again, I'm not knocking that. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against the medical profession. We have nurses in the room. Okay? I thank God for the medical profession. God has given us wisdom about the human body. He's taught us things. But it's practice. They don't know. So what do they do? They try something. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Uh, I'm not sure. Let's, we're trying to diagnose, right? Why? Because doctors don't heal. How many of you ever cut your hand or cut somewhere on your body? Cut your arm, cut your leg. Accident. Okay. And did your body ultimately, did once you got the blood stopped, maybe you put a bandage on it or a Band-Aid or a gauze, and, and, but then after a while you took it off and you washed it? Okay. What doctor did you go to that said, here's what I'm going to do, and it's going to make your skin close up, and your skin is going to, 
I have the ability to make your skin do this, and I, it will scar, but I have these abilities, and so I'm going to... No, your body did that, didn't it? Your skin healed. Why? Because who created you? The healer did. He created your body to have these functions whereby... I mean, what a miracle that you and I could cut ourselves and they're... And our skin could be split, and then in time, it would, the bleeding would stop. The skin would come back together. That cut would heal and be restored, and it would be whole again. Uh, that's, you don't think about that. I know. I can tell. You know, of course I have. He's, he's created us as such. And so, but what happens is we live in a time where they treat. Yes, we're going this a different route than I thought we would, but here we are. They treat. And what do they treat? Almost always, they treat symptoms. Well, tell me what's going on with you. And you tell them your symptoms. Yes, this is how I feel. This is how I sound. This is what happens. And they seek to treat. Again, I'm not knocking this. This is not anti-medicine. Don't misunderstand me, okay? I think God has given us wisdom. But they treat symptoms. They don't heal. The Lord is a healer. When we allow him, he reaches to the root of the issue. He doesn't just try to deal with the surface and the symptoms. Matter of fact, oftentimes, because the world we live in, when we come to the Lord, when we're going through something, we don't cry out to God to deal with the root. We ask God to help with the symptoms. God, I feel this way. Change the way I feel. When God says, okay, let me just cut you open and let me reach in right here with the word and let me dig a little deep right here and I'll heal. Oh, no, 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 no. I just want you to change how I'm feeling, Lord. I'm not wanting to go down to the root of the issue. I just want to feel better. You know, some people medicate just to feel better. And I'm afraid some people spiritually medicate, come to church, worship, feel the presence of God, no interest in deep change just to feel better. What's happening? They're spiritually medicating rather than allowing Jesus wants to heal completely. The writer of Hebrews said this, the word of God is quick. It's alive. It's quick and it's powerful. Yes, the word of God is quick and is powerful. It's, a, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces. This is the word of God. It pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow. And the word of God discerns. What does it discern? It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Hebrews 4 and 12. That's what the Word of God does. That's not a, oh, spiritually medicate. That's why some people love worship, but they don't love the Word. Oh, worship, it feels so good. Wasn't it wonderful to weep and feel the presence of God? Yes! Now sit down and let the Word of God, oh, you know, preach. I just fall asleep in the Word. It just, some of that could be the preacher. I get it. Don't let the Word, no, tell me, a, and then it's like, Give me a word that makes me feel good. Don't let the word come and cut inside of my life and my heart. 
and begin to deal with roots in my life. That's uncomfortable. Now, the thing about the Word of God that cuts is he's not slashing. The Word of God, I've, I've witnessed people, and I probably, I, I, I have, I've had to repent. There's probably been times in my own failures where I've cut with the Word of God contrary to the will of God, and I've had to go back and repent. But the Word of God that cuts is, it's, it's precise. It doesn't do damage. It cuts to heal. I think of like a spiritual surgery that would come and cut not to wound, but to get down to where it needs to get in order to bring healing in the life. This is what the Word of God can do. If I'll allow the Word of God to get in and I'll not resist the Word of God. Stephen was speaking to those in his day in Acts chapter 7 where the Word of God had kept coming. The living God had been in their midst. The Word manifested in the flesh had walked among them, and they had crucified Him. And Stephen was telling them, he said, You do always resist the Holy Ghost. They were speaking the Word to them. The Word had come through the prophets. The Word had come through Jesus. And he said, You do always resist the Holy Ghost. And the statement was made when he was speaking to them that they were cut to the heart what the Bible says. Read it in Acts 7. They were cut to the heart. What happened? The things that Stephen was saying when he was declaring the word of God, it was piercing to where they were. It was going to the root of the issue in their life. It was going down to, and the word of God could deliver them, but they were resisting the word of God. And so rather than receive the word of God that would cut and correct and heal, they resisted the word of God to their own damnation. I want a spirit and an attitude that says, God, I want your word. I know that it will come in love from you and let your word speak to my life. Peter warned of those in his writing. He spoke of those that do always. He used this word rest, W-R-E-S-T. We don't use that word very often in that context, but we understand the root word. Because we use this term, wrestle. You ever heard that word, wrestle? W-R-E-S-T-L-E. You know what that is, right? Same root. Peter said, you do always rest the scriptures. You wrestle with the word of God. That's what he was saying. And he said, you do it to your own destruction. You're wrestling with the word of God. Rather than receiving the word of God. And it's to your own destruction. Man, I'm trying to get somewhere, but here we got. So healing, letting the word of God reach in and heal. I feel like the Lord wants to. We got to hurry. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and 18. Not 18, 16. 29 and 16. And I'm reading from the New King James just because it reads a little easier for some me included. And so I'm reading from the New King James. It won't be dramatically different than what you see on the screen. You'll just see use instead of yees and stuff like that. But please listen. Hear the word of the Lord. 29 verse 16. I make this covenant and this oath. So the Lord is speaking through Moses to the children of Israel. This is after they've come out of Egypt, after they've come through the wilderness, after they've come into the promised land. And he's made a covenant with them. A covenant. I'm entering into a promised oath and relationship with you. 
So I make this covenant and this oath, he said in verse number 16. It's like a double promise, a covenant and an oath. I make this covenant and this oath, not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. Verse 16, 29 and 16. I'm sorry, that was verse 14 that I was reading. For those of you that I really confused. Verse 16. For you know that we dwelt in the land of Egypt. So he's reminding them of where he brought them from. He's reminding them of where they are. This is important. He's reminding you of where you were, Israel. You know how we dwelt in the land of Egypt, but you also know how we came through the nations that we passed by. Verse 17. And you have seen their abominations. That's the abominations of those nations we passed by. You saw their idols. You saw their wood and their stone. You saw the silver and gold that was among them. Yes. Verse 18. So that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations. Now I want you to hold right there just a second. Please keep that verse up there. The Lord said, I'm making this covenant and this oath with you. But then he reminds them of where they used to be and where he brought them from. And he's acknowledging to them, I'm aware of what you saw along the way when I brought you out. You saw the other nations. And he didn't just point out the bad stuff. It was all bad as far as he's concerned. Anything that caused them to turn away from God was not good. But he said, I know you saw the gold. You saw the silver. You saw their idols. You saw things that could possibly appeal to you. But he said, I'm making a covenant with you. Lest you turn away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve other gods of these nations. Now I want you to see this last line here in verse 18. Lest there should be among you a root. See that? In the, in the King James, it says that beareth gall and wormwood. In the New King James, we get a better understanding of what he's talking about. He says that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. Wormwood is poison or noxious, a noxious effect. There should not be among you a root that bears bitterness or wormwood. And so that it may not happen, now he tells them the result in verse 19, if there is a root of bitterness or poison. And it come to pass that when he hears the words of this curse, rather than hearing the words of the curse and recognizing it's a curse, he blesses himself. This is a person that has a root of bitterness or is poisoned in their spirit. Rather than hearing the curse that the Lord has spoken, they bless themselves in their heart and they say, I shall have peace even though I walk in the imagination of my heart. The New King James says it this way, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my own heart. 
as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. But now watch the effect of that person or the result of that person that has that bitterness. Verse 20, the Lord will not spare him. For the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will burn against that man. And every curse that is written in this book will settle on him. And the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord will separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law. So I told you we going to talk about healing. That was a whole lot of foundation to hurry up and get here. Why would the Lord address a root of bitterness and poison in the heart of the children of Israel now that they're in the promised land? I'll tell you why I believe it. We didn't read the three chapters before, but they would give you more understanding. The three chapters before, you see the promise of the covenant and you see the curse of those that don't walk in it. And the Lord says, I'm making this oath with you in this covenant, lest there be a root of bitterness. And you start thinking bitterness will deceive you. And you'll say, I have peace, even though I walk according to my own heart. You know what that looks like in today's terms? Well, they can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. I got peace. It's a the Lord is addressing a state of denial about the root. He said, if you let that stay there, and you say, I have peace, even though you walk after the desires of your own heart, the Lord will separate you. The Lord will cause all the curses of the book to come upon you. This is how the Lord feels about bitterness, a root of bitterness. How or why would the children of Israel have bitterness? I mean, they were in captive in Egypt and the Lord brought them out. They're in the promised land. Why would they have bitterness? I have a question for you. Why would a child of God who's been washed in the blood and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost have bitterness? Same question just today rather than Israel's day. Why would they have bitterness? Well, you know, they lost some things along the way into the promised land. They lost some loved ones along the way, no doubt. Some of them didn't make it in. They watched the Lord destroy Jericho, and they couldn't take anything, even though they'd been doing without. You want to talk about an opportunity for bitterness to come in. Let there be some blessing right in front of you, and the Lord says, no, don't take any of it. Why won't the Lord let me? And we go on in obedience, but a seed of bitterness gets planted. How come the Lord does this in their life, but not mine? Though the Lord knows our frame and he knows how to shape us and mold us. And bitterness comes along and a seed gets planted. 
they go through these other nations and these other lands and they see silver and gold and the gods and they see the blessing that they think is blessing on these other nations that are serving false gods. And they go, look at us, we don't have anything. We're just trudging along through the wilderness and a seed of bitterness and resentment towards God and their lot in life gets in. And little by little, the seed of bitterness becomes a root of bitterness. And the Lord says, if this root of bitterness is there, there's four things I'm going to do. I won't spare them. My anger and my jealousy will burn against them. Every curse written in this book will settle on them, and I'll blot out their name from under heaven. And we think dealing with the root of bitterness doesn't matter. Watch. I'm hurrying. We don't have enough time today. Go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we find an interesting passage of Scripture. This is right after Stephen has, we had referenced Stephen preaching to those that rejected the word. In Acts chapter 8, we find the apostle The table server, Philip, if you will, in Acts chapter 8, preaching in Samaria. And great things are happening in Samaria where he's preaching. And watch this. If you go down to verse number... Nine. Acts 8 and 9. So Peter's there, in, or Philip is there in Samaria. Miracles are happening. Healings are happening. God's using him. Great joy in the city, the Bible says. Verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon. Before time, that means before Philip got there and was all this stuff happening from God through Philip. Before time in the same city, Simon used sorcery. Isn't that an interesting word? Simon used sorcery and he bewitched the people of Samaria How did he bewitch them? With sorcery, but to what end? So that they thought he was some great one. He used sorcery to make people think he was somebody. Yes? Giving out that himself was some great one. Verse 10. To whom they all, this is all the city, they all gave heed to him because they thought, man, this guy's doing stuff. From the smallest or the least to the greatest, And this is what they said about Simon the sorcerer. This man is the great power of God. Now, was he? No, but he was deceiving them. Just like we read in Deuteronomy 29, a man was deceived when he said, I'm in peace even though I walk according to my own will and the imaginations of my heart. There's nothing worse than self-deception. He deceived them. They thought he was the great man of God. Verse 11 And to him, they even had regard because that of a long time, he had bewitched them with sorceries. This is what, where the power of God has come in and is now ministering. So you see here in verse number 11, and they heeded him. They obeyed the direction he gave him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And then Simon himself believed. How wonderful is that? But now watch. You skip down and you find what happens is Peter and John show up in Samaria. 
And Peter and John show up because people had been baptized in Jesus' name, but they hadn't yet received the Holy Ghost. Peter and John show up. They begin praying for people. They lay hands on them. You read it in the Scripture. They lay hands on them, and people begin to receive the Holy Ghost. And Simon saw this happen. Look there in your Bible. Simon saw this happen. There it is. Peter and John are laying hands on people. They're getting the Holy Ghost. Simon saw that through the laying on the pot. And he said, hey, I've got money. I'll give you money. And when I give you money, you give me that same power. So that whoever I lay my hands on, they'll receive the Holy Ghost. Seems simple enough, right? Seems like just a simple rebuke would be fine. Simon, you know, you, I love you and I appreciate your zeal. But Simon, you can't purchase this with me. Oh, no, that's not what Peter said, is it? See, that's what we would do in today's society because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But Peter recognized, I'm dealing with a spiritual root. Watch what he said. Peter said to him, your money die with you. Not going to win anybody like that, Peter. No, I'm dealing with the root cause right here. Somebody's walking in deception. He said, your money die with you because you thought the gift of God may be purchased with money, but he didn't stop there. Next verse. You don't have a part or a lot in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Next verse. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness and pray if God, pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven. And next verse. Watch what Peter said he perceived. Peter said, I perceive you are in the gall of bitterness and you're in the bond of iniquity. Doesn't that sound familiar? The gall of bitterness, the root of bitterness, and walking according to the desires of your own heart is what the Lord warned about in Deuteronomy. And Peter said of this man, Simon, you're in the gall of bitterness and you're in the bond of your own will. I'd like you to stand with me today. How is it that Simon ended up in the gall of bitterness? Well, Simon, we read it in those verses before. He was used to power. 
that he was used to power that benefited him and made people think he was somebody. He ended up in the gall of bitterness. I believe one reason is because he lost He lost the admiration of the people that came through deception. And he believed, but bitterness can creep in because whoever this kid Philip is, he didn't do, he's doing all this stuff, doesn't he? He says, it's God. I was doing all that stuff before he got here. Maybe I can use my money and get what, and Peter identified the issue that was in him was a gall of bitterness. Bitterness always comes from past regrets and perceived loss. There's a thing in our world today, some of you have heard it called FOMO, right? FOMO, fear of missing out. It's why people check their Instagram multiple times in a day. It's why people jump on social media over and over again. It's why people scroll through pages. Why? Back and forth, minutes apart. Fear of missing out. I might miss something. Simon had missed out on the praise of men that he was undeservedly receiving through sorcery and so bitterness got in his heart. And I have witnessed in my experience, sadly, people who have come to live for God, who have believed the word of God and the message of God, but they have had a bitterness in their spirit that has continued to fester and grow because they are deceived in believing I lost so much life I could have lived in the world. And they live for God bitterly. They'll worship but they don't even know why. They just aren't happy. They're bitter towards God. They're looking at the other nations they passed through, that which God brought them through, and they're looking at the other nations, silver and gold and idols, and it appeals to them, but they know the truth of the word of God, but they resent God that he would ask them to live separated from those things. And a seed of bitterness gets there and they entertain it. And oftentimes it's entertained secretly, but it's on the outward holding everything together. But inwardly, that seed of bitterness is just being fostered and filled. And it's a root that takes root in the heart. And if it's not dealt with, it will destroy an individual. I've witnessed it. Oftentimes, that seed of bitterness, or if it's a root, if it's already become a root, it spends a lot of time comparing situations. 
comparing how come my life is this but theirs is that, comparing how come I have to do this but they seem to not, how comparing comes in. The seed of bitterness always looks to justify self. I want to walk according to the dictates of my own heart. Remember where we started? Healing. If I want healing, I have to be willing to let the word of God and the spirit of God reach into any root or seed of bitterness. And say, Lord, here it is. Here it is. My heart, my life. I, this is why this matters more than anything. Last verse. Um, Hebrews 12. Well, two verses here. Hebrews 12 and 12. Watch. I'll read quickly. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Keep going. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it, if it stays lame, it's going to get turned out of the way. But don't let that happen. Let it be healed. Watch the next verse. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something there. That verse has a colon after it. So we know he's not done with that statement. That verse is quoted a lot, but it's separated from the verse that follows. But they go together. All this thought of let it be healed. Don't let the lame. You got two options. Let the lameness stay and be turned out of the way, which aligns with what the Lord said in the covenant he was going to do to Israel if they didn't. Follow peace with all men and holiness, separation unto the Lord. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. But watch. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. How in the world, Brother Ego, could any man ever fail of the grace of God? Is that even possible? Is God's grace something we could fail? Well, here's how. Lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you. And the problem is, not only does it trouble you, many are defiled. You show me someone with a root of bitterness, and I'll show you someone somewhere along the way. They're talking to others. Oh, it's subtle. It's really subtle. I don't know why Elder had to say that. That doesn't, you know, I mean, I mean, I know he means well. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love him and all. I just, subtle. A root of bitterness. What it does, it defiles. Oh, at first, you think it's just hurting the person, but if it's not dealt with, if you don't let that lame thing be healed, there'll be turning out of the way. But the Lord says, I'll heal it. You have to let him deal with the root of bitterness. If there's any place in my, I'm telling you, I lay before the Lord. If I feel even a tinge of bitterness coming to my spirit, I go and I'm like, God, whatever you got to do, I want it purged from my thoughts, from my heart, from my mind. 
I don't want anything in my spirit. I'm telling you, it can be bitterness toward the Lord. It can be bitterness toward ministry. It can be bitterness toward a spouse. It can be bitterness toward a child. It can be, you, you can fill in the blank. But bitterness will defile you and it will defile many. And there's got to be a place where you come and you say, God, I repent. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I'm bothered. Yes, but I will not allow it to remain. I need healing. I don't want to be turned out of the way. You see how strong the words of the Lord were in Deuteronomy 29. All the curses of the book I'll put on them. I'll separate them from adversity. From the, uh, with adversity, I'll separate them. The love of God is trying to help us because the root of bitterness also comes with deceit, self-deception. I have peace. I'm just going to walk my own way. I have peace. I'm just going to do my own thing. But I have peace. I don't care what they say. That's the exact example the Lord used to the children of Israel of a person that had a root of bitterness. That's what they say. And sometimes people don't know where the root came from because they don't know where the seed started. And the seed didn't necessarily start even in their own action other than an action of listening to that voice. Giving it ear over and over. And then beginning to entertain the thought and feed it. Many. I have watched sadly in my lifetime. I have watched a dad or a mom or a husband or a wife have a root of bitterness. And I've watched their children over time. Young, so small, so innocent. But begin to grow. And I've watched that seed of bitterness start. Those kids don't even know why they're dealing with it. But that seed of bitterness got into the child. Oh, the parent never intended that. But what was in their heart through conversation, through life, day in and day out, through an expression made that they didn't even realize that they thought, ah, a conversation around a dinner table, a subtle jab, a statement, an action taken, and many are defiled. And I'll tell you where the defilement starts. It starts in the home where the root is. And lives are defiled if I don't let the Spirit of God heal that. What's it going to take? Luke 17 and 6. We have a promise from the Word of God. Remember we talked about healing. We're talking about healing. Healing. Luke 17 and 6. And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say to this sycamine tree, it's grown now. It's no longer just a seed. It's got a root. It's grown. You might say to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea. If you just had faith. And it would obey you. 
Now, I didn't do it because of time, and I know you're standing, but I've been standing the whole time, so we're okay. If you were to read this whole chapter so that you understand what comes before and after that verse, you would find that the Lord Jesus is addressing offenses in people's lives. Something offended them, something hurt them. Not saying hurt's not real, you understand? Hurt is often how bitterness starts. Because we treat the symptom of the hurt, we don't go to the root. That's what all that stuff was I was talking about. And so we come to church and we spiritually medicate, but we don't let the word of God begin and go, God, you got to heal the root. I don't want to just keep trying to feel good about it because I, I feel good some services, but some services just pain to get through. Sometimes I just don't even want to go because of how I feel, and I don't know what's wrong. There's a root that the Lord is saying, if you have faith, Think about a sycamine tree as it grows where it's really dry, dry places. A person who has bitterness or has a root of offense, their life has become dry, very dry. Watch. And because it's so dry, a sycamine tree goes looking for a place to put down roots. It's trying to find water. And so it doesn't have a root that goes down. It has a root that spreads out. That's why many be defiled. It's a root that starts going and putting down everywhere. Hence the reason it seems so hard to get free from. Because it shows up in everything. Jewish tradition says that the sycamine tree, because it was such a hard, hard wood, Jewish tradition says that the wood of the sycamine tree was used to make coffins. Because they could use it, it was a hard wood, and because they could never get the whole root up, it would just grow again. Jesus said, if you have faith, you can speak to the tree. Be plucked up by the root. Would you talk to the Lord right now? The healer is in the house. I believe that with all of my heart. You do not have to leave here like you came this morning. You really don't. You don't have to leave with that pain in the middle of your chest that wakes you up some nights. You don't have to leave with that confusion warring in your mind. You don't have to leave continuing to have those self-conversations that seem to go back and forth that you sometimes just say, Lord, make it stop. Let the Holy Ghost reach in. Begin to pray the prayer of faith. Speak to the sycamine tree. Be plucked up by the root and planted in the sea. God, I repent of harboring bitterness. 
I repent of holding on to resentment. I repent of holding on to this hurt. I realize, Father, I want to be honest before you, and so I bring it to you. I pray a prayer of repentance and healing. Let me not be turned out of the way, but I speak to the tree. Be plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea. In the name of Jesus Christ, on talk with him. Let the healer work through. Let him reach in. He'll not humiliate any of us, but he'd like to bring healing. If you and I could be honest with him this morning, if we would be honest in our communication with him. Come on, you're not waiting on me. You're talking with the Lord. You're talking with the Lord right now where you are. Jesus, heal every part, uh, every avenue. Father, Where if it's gotten to my children, I pray for my children right now. If it's gotten to a friend or a family member, I pray, God, forgive me. Reach to them and bring healing to their life, Lord. I pray healing complete and whole every place where the root would have reached. I speak the word of faith that it would be plucked up at the root in Jesus' name. Every place it could have reached to, every life it could have reached to, every heart it could have affected, I pray let it be plucked up in the name of Jesus Christ, that there be no resentment, that there be no bitterness in my life. I plead the blood. You know what it is, Lord, to be falsely accused. You know what it is, Lord, to be unjustly criticized. You know what it is, Lord, to suffer hurt when it is not deserved and it is wrong. And yet you forgave, Lord. Yet you forgave and you asked me to forgive as you have. And so I pray for the grace of God to be operative afresh and anew in my heart today that there be no root of bitterness in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, it's a serious matter. It's life and death for some. Spiritually, let the Holy Ghost do a work today as you cry out in faith. In faith, in repentance and in faith.